Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about a movie that people have been waiting for for a long, long time. It is Confess Fletch, the reimagining of the Fletch character that Chevy Chase made famous back in the 80s, taking it back to the books. And now we've got John Hamm in the role of Fletch and uh, a really fun movie, actually. I had a lot of fun with this one. And joining me to talk about it is Joe Black, who you've heard here on the podcast before. And we have a great, fun conversation, a lot of good puzzle pieces talking about Confess Fletch. So that's coming up in a second. Do make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review and follow us on social media, all that stuff. But actually, I've got a more important thing I want to mention at the top of this episode, and that is that we have a live Piecing It Together coming up next week. Uh, this is going up on September 16th, but the live show is next Thursday. It is in Glendale, California at the Look Dine-In Cinema, and it is sponsored by Cinema Week. And we're going to be talking about See How They Run after a free screening of the movie. And joining me to talk about it will be Rosa Parra from Latinx Lens, as well as Raul Nevedo and Colby Mack from Minorities Report. we got a great lineup of guests there, and uh, hopefully we'll have a nice packed theater, lots of people, get that energy going, and uh, have a great conversation about the movie. The episode will be recorded, of course, and will be up on the main feed next week, but uh, if you want to come check out the show if you're in california and want to come watch us and see the movie for free check out the show notes uh the link to rsvp for a free ticket is available uh there's also a blog post with more information about the show on piecingpod.com our website so check it out rsvp come on out i hope to see you there that is next week on thursday september 22nd so with that said let's talk about fletch All right, so it has taken many, many, many years for this movie to come around, but it's finally here, and Joe Black is here to talk with me about it. It's Confess Fletch. Joe, how's it going? It's going great. I've seen Confess Fletch twice now, so how could it not be going great? There you go, right? Any any time that you get to watch a movie that you uh, enjoy, right? You enjoyed this movie? Am I, I, am I right? Enjoy is the right word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you get to watch a movie you enjoy multiple times it's a good week it's a good time i enjoyed this movie a lot actually i thought it was great um as we're getting into puzzle pieces and all that we'll talk about how it fits squarely in with some movies that are 
just like a perfect little genre that I love so much. Right. Yeah. I, you know, me, I think, uh, when I first heard about this, I was really disappointed because it's been my dream for a little (laughs) over a decade now to make the next Fletch movie to like bring Fletch back to life and do it more true to the books. Um, yeah. Me being a, a Kevin Smith junkie around the the turn of the century, that was when he was going to be making a, a version of Fletch One, the yeah. prequel book with Jason Lee as Fletch. Yeah. And so I read Fletch One, and I got obsessed with these books, and I, I don't read a lot. You and I have that in common. Sure, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I can read, but like I don't read a lot. But yeah. like, um, I, I can't at all. I know. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I, and, and I fell in love with them. Particularly, I fell in love with uh, Fletch's Moxie, which is set in Florida where I'm from. So that was always the one that I wanted to make. But when I heard about this one, they were like, yeah, and it's John Hamm. And I was like, fuck, that's such a good pick. Like, yeah, that's so he's so perfect. And then when they were like Greg Matala writing, uh, writing and directing, I was like, fuck. That's such a good pick. Like, sure. You know, and I was like, I'll never get to make one of these now. Like, cause these guys will do it forever. And confess Fletch is the perfect one to kick it off. I think too. Yeah. So I, 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 I was so excited for this movie, David, that I actually, I got an invite to a screening of it last November in, um, in New York, like a preview mm-hmm. screening. And I actually looked into flights yeah, from yeah. Los Angeles to New York. Cause I was like, I gotta see this. But then after the Clerks 3 screening I went to in November, I was like, I can't handle it if this one sucks too. So like I can't I can't do that. So I I I waited patiently. I'm pretty sure in the pre-show you said you weren't gonna talk about clerks too much on this, but that's only one. Okay. Right? That's, <laughs> that's only first. Not two, that's one much. Yeah, um, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but to go back to the history of this movie, um, before we start getting into pieces, yeah, Jason Lee. Ben Affleck was attached at one point. Ryan Reynolds, I believe. Uh, yeah. Zach Braff, Justin Long. I mean, a lot of people. Apparently, Jason Sudeikis was the last one before it ended up with Ham. Those are great choices, save save for you know a couple of the obvious ones. You know, Zach Braff, yeah. get him the hell out of there. And mm. Ryan Reynolds is the wrong. Ryan Reynolds is exactly what you fear a studio yeah. would pick for Fletch, and and not anything against Ryan Reynolds. You, you sure. know what I mean? He's just not right for Fletch. Um, right, right. Ben Affleck, too, like, he's a little too... John Hamm is perfect because Ben Affleck is, like, f- movie star good-looking. You know sure. what I mean? Like, like he's, like, you know, chiseled from the gods at that era, especially, like, when he was considered for it. John Hamm is, like, a handsome everyman. You sure. know what I mean? And that's what Fletch yeah. needs. Fletch needs to be handsome but not handsome enough where he can actually coast on his good looks. Right. And it's, ni- it's nice to see that this worked out and ended up being good because John Hamm has been trying so hard to get like a comedy under his belt. And it remains to be seen if people are going to actually watch this movie or care or anything. But I mean, you know, th- we're recording this before it actually comes out. And uh, so far, early reviews are good. And he's a really funny guy and he just hasn't had the right opportunities yet so i i'm hoping that this connects for him oh oh me too you know i went to a i i i I did get to see this movie fairly early i saw it um way back in uh the the beginning of april i went to a screening here in la that was for the producers and the executives at miramax Mm -hmm. and john ham and greg matala came out and talked beforehand and I actually got to talk with both of them afterward, and I told John Hamm, like, he fucking nailed it. You know what I mean? He yeah. really did. He just, he really nailed it. 
There's one line of his in this that I would have cut out if I were them, but that's me. Uh, it's mm. where he's like, yeah, but I'm adorable. It's like, Egh. like no, Fletch <laughs> wouldn't do that. But he really did. He nailed it. I, he could play this character forever as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces, and we'll talk about everything uh, that we liked and didn't like along the way. But what do you have for your first piece? Okay, so my first piece, it's going to be a TV show. And I think that you even agreed with this. I, I was telling this to people that it actually, this movie actually feels more like a pilot for a show. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and, and I mean that in a great way. And uh, which, so my first piece is Columbo. Okay. Which, uh, you know, and anybody who listened to the Natasha Hall episode knows that I'm a big Columbo fan. And sure. the reason why that comes to mind for me is that Columbo is a detective who never lets you in on how much he actually knows. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Colum- that's, that's his whole, that's his whole thing. He, he plays kind of the fool. You know, and, and, and that's what Fletch does quite a bit, uh, more so in the book than the movie. Actually watching it the second time, one of the things I found myself wishing was that the movie, at the end especially, kind of played more into the fact that Fletch was one ahead of the game and was letting people figure it out for themselves. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? That he helped the detectives actually figure it out. That he, you know what I mean? Because he had this ulterior motive. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, Sure, I, Absolutely. But, but yeah, he and he and Columbo both have that like aloof kind of quality where like you don't suspect just how brilliant they actually are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that that like if, because you know I think like the number one thing most people would associate is the sarcasm, but like letting people like do their jobs and think that they're the ones solving it like is such like a side product of like a sarcastic sense of humor it like it just so perfectly fits his character to to let the mystery like unfold in that way where he's always like not just two steps ahead but like many 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 steps ahead and it's just a really fun way for the character to uh be like kind of trailing behind but at the same time like setting it all up too yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. I I really couldn't. I and and again, I think Ham, as an actor, is really good at that. Like I, you know, he's on that new Password reboot TV show that they're doing with Jimmy Fallon and uh, uh what's the nope Kiki uh Kiki Palmer. That's her. Yeah, I just watched him on uh Password the other night, and that guy is like sharp as a fucking whip. Like he was getting things like first word Password, you know, and, and like. But you could tell he just enjoyed helping other people out. Right. Which you right. need that in perfect balance. You need a genius who enjoys helping people out. That that's his actual MO underneath all the, you know, sarcasm and no pun intended hamminess. Mm. And uh yeah. He's a little old to play Fletch, but Roger Moore was a little old to play Bond and you know, that worked well for people who like mediocre Bond movies. Um <laughs> so there you go. Well, I'll start off with a TV show as well then, since you did, and uh, I'm going to go with Bored to Death, the Jonathan Ames series with Jason Schwartzman, Ted Danson, and Zach Galifianakis, um, which was great and just a really funny show about a a writer who uh, is kind of like moonlighting as a private detective. And it has that similar sense of humor. It's got the mix of like the high society art worlds and crime and mystery and comedy all mixing together. Schwartzman's character, who is the lead of, of the show, uh, is more dorky um, than, than a Fletch. But uh, if you were to kind of combine the 
sensibilities of all three leads, you kind of almost get to a Fletch-like character. Mm. So uh, you get little bits and pieces, especially uh, Schwartzman and Ted Dance and Zach Galifianakis is like the wild card there. But uh, of, of those two, you kind of build up to what Ham is doing here in his take on uh, the Fletch character. I, you know, I, I remember wanting to watch that show when it was happening. And I remember watching the, the, the first two episodes, and I remember the theme song. This is something like a bored to death, you know, like something like that. Yeah. And, and it just did not click with me. I think that was actually the beginning for me of like Jason Schwartzman is a little too into himself at this point. Mm. Um, but I like that piece because Ted Danson, now that you mention it, actually in the mid 80s would have been a perfect fletch. I, I I could see that for sure. Yeah, he he actually would have been really great. And it, I mean, of course, obviously Chevy Chase. You know, I I love the the first two Fletch movies, obviously. But but yeah, Chevy Chase turned Fletch into Chevy Chase, which yes. is not a criticism. That's just what he did. Um, yeah. but but uh, but yeah, Ted Danson would be Ted Danson is also very good at that, like smartest guy in the room, but dumb. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, he would have been he would have been great, man. You you just did a nice little bit of what if casting there without realizing. There you go. Absolutely. Maybe we get a uh, old man Fletch uh, if this doesn't work out. I would love another reboot. Fletch's dad. He could do that. (laughs) Why not? That'd be cool. There you go. (laughs) I saw him once at the Troubadour. It was a who who does that song? That that's just the way it is. I forget his fucking name. But I got invited to that concert and. There was no seating room, but but Ted Danson and and his his wife there, Mary, she they they had their own chairs up in like a little mezzanine. And I was like, those lucky fucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, bored to death. I love detective shows. I really do. And I've been trying to get into that only murders in the building show because it's like mm. you know some of my favorite people in the world are involved in that show. Yeah, and I've seen every episode, but it's just not. It's still not quite there for me. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I want to though. Like, like you said, the people involved are great, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, well, maybe I'll go back to Bored to Death because it didn't last long, if I remember. It's like no, two, three I, seasons. I believe two seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were supposed to make a movie, but I don't think it ever materialized. Yeah, well, I mean, it happens. Yeah, yeah I mean, Zach yeah. Galifianakis. I mean, he's not famous enough to you know lead a movie. No. Uh, oh wait, no, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's What'd interesting because Zach Galifianakis was in that keeping. Up with the Joneses, what was it called? The the, the Joneses, the, the the movie where John Hamm and Greg Matala met, right? The other Matala thing, uh, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses, I think it was called. Yeah, I didn't see that for the longest time. Then I found out that it was, and spy comedies are my favorite genre, as you know, mm. and 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 I knew it was one, and I still didn't want to see it. And then I yeah. found out, like you know, when Fletch was happening, that that's where they met, and I was like, Greg Matala made that movie. Well, yeah, I'll see that. And then when I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is why I didn't go see this. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's hit or miss. But I mean, the good ones are great, though. So I agree. He's one of those guys. I agree. And I'll say as a director, even his bad ones are interesting. But mm-hmm. funny enough, this one, one of the complaints I had with this one is that like the directing is kind of like underwhelming, not even like subtle or in, it's just underwhelming. Like some of the locations they shoot at are really like. You don't even want to look at like the 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 police chief's office. I don't know. They're just mm. and the color palette on this is really cheap. And he said at the thing that he hasn't directed movies in a while. He was like, "I got the call and I'd been doing TV for so long." And they're like, "Want to make a movie?" And I was like, "Oh, they still make those." And then the audience, blah, 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 blah. you know, <laughs> oh, and and I was like, "That's funny." And then I watched the movie and I was like, "Oh fuck, he has yeah. gone to TV, hasn't he?" 
Well, you did say it feels a little bit like a pilot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah. It's got that, that production value. But, uh, you know, a pilot with a really great lead and some good jokes. And, and great story. source material to pull from, too. Yeah. Like, truly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I got another piece here. Um, Let's go. I have, this is, this is one of those, I'm sorry, Mordecai. Oh boy. Um, yeah. And and I I was one of the few who saw Mordecai in the theater and I saw it right before it left theaters only because I was working at the Chinese theater at the time it came out and I would walk to work about a mile and a half and it was raining that day so I was like, "Well, fuck, I'm off. It's raining. Like I don't want to walk home in the rain. What's playing? Mordecai. Got it." And mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was cute. You know what I mean? It, I, it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was cute. And I even recommended it to my parents and they loved it or whatever. Um, but then for some reason, I just rediscovered it earlier this year and it blew me away. Like I was like, this movie is like tailor made for me. It's like an eccentric millionaire cat burglar art thief, like sort of detective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in and also kind of directed very like TV quality to be honest. Sure. Yeah. But but while watching Fletch, I was like, yeah, they're very. And I like Confess Fletch because I like the art world. So I like that all of this revolves around art. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I like a good movie that revolves around like art. Um, another Steve Martin book, The Object of Beauty. That's a movie that's been in development hell for a long time. Kind of like Fletch. That's all about the art world. That oh, I'd like. Nice. I'm, I I wish that I was rich so that I could be into uh, art and golf. Like I really <laughs> want to be into both of those things, but I just don't have the time to be that um, selfish. Sure. Um, but I long <laughs> I long for that day. But um, yeah, yeah. But I think that Mordecai. I, I I think that that movie is just so wacky, but also so dark, and I I just think that that's why it kind of landed with a dud. I think that this movie is much more palatable. In a mm. way, like, you know, a 20 a, a year old could watch this movie and be like, John Hamm's funny. And like an 80 year old could watch this movie and be like, oh, this that, that John Hamm's funny. You know, yeah. like it, it's yeah. it, it's it's a perfect four quadrant movie. Um, yeah, it's funny when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, like, this feels like the kind of movie you watch at like. 11 a.m. at the movie theater and like there's a a couple of like 80 year olds in the front row and they're like cracking up you know absolutely like, on a weekday it's that movie Ele- yeah on a weekday 11 a.m. on a weekday it, it what it, somebody described the crawdad movie like this it's like the kind of movie that your grandma who sees three movies a year is gonna think is a masterpiece yeah it, it, like <laughs> that yeah it's but you know i loved going to movies with my grandma so like fuck it yeah you know i mean we I saw weird movies so like my grandma actually took me to see like the road and mm. dawn of the dead the remake and like geely yeah like we, we saw some weird shit <laughs> well i will stand up for your mordecai uh i i saw it in the theater too i liked it at the time and i remember leaving the theater i was like that was pretty funny like it wasn't great but it was funny and then everyone was like this is the worst movie of the entire year and i was like Oh, all right. I guess I won't recommend <laughs> well, it to anybody. Welcome like, to my uh, life, David. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you kind of liked that movie enough to that you enjoyed. That's wonderful. You know, yeah. I, I recommended it to another buddy of mine uh, who had not seen it after I rediscovered it here, and he ended up watching it like a month or two later. He's like, "Dude, I can't thank you enough." He's like, "That's my shit." Like, because yeah. it's a dark movie. It's like got some fucked up humor in it, and yeah. uh, it's almost like the people who watch Confess Fletch were like, "What if we made a movie like that that people won't hate?" 
Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) interesting plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant in a way. (laughs) Wow. Who would have thought? (laughs) Well, uh, I'll, I'll go to another piece. Um, I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about this one because I know you have mixed feelings uh, on the work of Shane Black, but, uh, I'm going to combine both Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys. I mean, this is just squarely in that kind of genre the 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 mystery the sarcastic quippy kind of snappy dialogue constantly joking protagonists who even if it's completely unnecessary even if there's no one else in the room they're still making jokes the entire time um in the case of kiss kiss bang bang it's also a guy who's not a detective who ends up just having to be one in this particular situation so uh you, you get that connection as well but you know, we haven't had a Shane Black thing in a while now, you know, he got sidetracked with Predator and now I don't know what he's doing exactly, but, um, it was, it kind of felt like coming back to those two movies. Yeah. Oh no. I, you know, and, and when I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang back in what, oh five, I guess. Yeah. I remember thinking, Ooh, Shane Black could do Fletch. Like Mm. if, if not me, at least, you know, him, but, uh, but you know, and I know Shane, uh, a little bit here, so I got to kind of like, watch what I say, not to be misunderstood, because I do like both of the movies you just mentioned. I do. But I should, and I hate using that word, but I have to, I should love both of those movies the way that you do. Like, like he gave me, Shane gave me the script for The Nice Guys about three or four months before it came out, and I read that script, and I, like, actually laughed out loud reading the script. And when yeah. I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, you know, it's one of those trailers that you're like, what the fuck? What do you mean it's not out right now? What do you mean I got to yeah. wait? You know? <laughs> and then when I saw it, I remember feeling like the directing, like everything felt rushed. The comedic timing felt off because I don't think that Ryan Gosling has any comedic timing whatsoever. Mm. And the action scenes themselves, I remember they were just very kind of flat to me, you know? There's a beautiful segment in The Nice Guys where Margaret Qualley is talking about the porn film that she made and how, how in it there's a message in it and that all the sex stuff that's surrounding it is just to get people in the fucking theater. Sure. You know? And here's the thing that, like, it's, it's Shane's cynicism that I think is, his, um, is what makes him, and it's also what's his undoing, in my opinion. Mm. Because when I read that in the script, I was like, holy fuck, that's so dope. That's art pop. That's what I'm all about. You know what I mean? Mm. And then when I watch her read it in the movie, I'm like, oh, he's joking. (laughs) Like, oh, he thinks that she's dumb. You know Mm. what I mean? And I think that the problem with the nice guys, other than on the technical side of things, is that the ending, wouldn't it be great if you actually, like, like, if, like, I don't, the ending is just kind of fucked up. Like, the ending is just kind of like, well, you know, whatever. You know, and they kill the killer B at the end, and there's still something to that that I haven't quite figured out. But like, it just kind of has like a downer ending, and that's what my friend Vincent, who liked Mordecai, loved about that movie. And you know, I get it. I get why people love it. I want to love it. I watch it all the time. But I just, I think that I don't know. It, there's too much in it that I can't, I can't rock and roll with. But well. Let's just say Ryan Gosling hilarious in that movie and uh, in what movie? In, in in the Nice Guys. No, David, I can't nope. say it. If you had read that rim shot joke, if you had uh-huh. read that joke in the script, like, and then to see him, like, no, 
I will say this. He's funnier in The Nice Guys than he is in La La Land. There's a moment in La La Land where he first walks into his hotel or his apartment and he looks off camera and he's supposed to see something that startles him. And the way that he like jumps, I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, like I, I was confused for a good 45 seconds because I was like, what did he just do? Oh, that was supposed to be him startled? What the fuck is this guy People doing? People had a really visceral reaction to La La Land, though. Visceral. Like, I... I it's like I, people people hate that movie it's a piece of know. shit well see see what i mean i'm right there but i i liked it i thought it was good whatever it is damien chazelle does not have it that's i i will die on that hill actually i won't die on that hill i will successfully slay him on that hill um <laughs> what a, geez. That's, good. that's a good metaphor i like it uh what, what do you have for your next piece okay so so this next piece is going to be kind of funky because it, it simultaneously points out what i like about this new fletch movie and what i don't like about this new fletch movie which mm-hmm. um and that piece is clue sure which is an it's a that's an interesting movie because you know like that's another movie that like i want to love and and I just rewatched it for the first time in at least a decade. I just rewatched it like a week ago, and I enjoy the movie, but I don't think it's funny. I I don't mm. I don't think that the jokes actually land, but it's an enjoyable watch. But as you know, that movie has you know the multiple endings, and yeah. and um, you know back when it came out in what eighty five eighty eighty five, um, it you never knew what ending you were gonna get when you went to go see it. Like that was part mm. that was Land, John Landis's idea. He was the producer on it. He was supposed to make it for the longest time, but he was contractually obligated to do spies like us by the time it got around. Anyways, he yeah. was like, it, it'll be fun. Like if people go and there are different endings, so nobody quite knows how to spoil it or anything. But when you watch all three of the endings, only one of them is actually satisfying. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, all, right. Like, cause in one ending it's Miss Peacock in one ending it's Miss Scarlet. And then in one ending, they do the murder on the Orient Express where it was all of them. And mm. not only was it all of them, but it turns out that Tim Curry was actually the bad guy all along. Right. And like, that's a really satisfying finale. The other two, we, we just don't, we're not invested enough in them or their reasoning for it to have any impact or to feel. Well, they're kind of afterthoughts anyway. Right, exactly. Like, so like, so the only one that makes sense is all these characters who we do or do not care about equally are all just like fucked up and ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's 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 a good ending. Um I feel like Fletch kind of has three endings and that none of them are quite as satisfying as individual endings as as they all are when put together, if that makes sense. Mm. Like like we like the way that the book is structured, there's much more of a conflict between him and his his fiance. It's his fiance in the book. Um, like the guy who he's renting the house from is actually staying with her, like, or is like visiting her at one point, like in, in Italy. And so there's just a lot going on. So like them breaking up at the end of this doesn't have the same oomph, you know what I mean? And the Kyle MacLachlan thing, the way that like, they just kind of shoehorn in his like financial problems in the final scene with him. Mm -hmm. We kind of find out about his financial problems after the fact. That also sure. kind of like it does. They they didn't really do the the greatest job of stakes. You, right. you know what I mean? This movie actually just feels like an introduction to the character and the right. way that he operates, and yeah. that's fine. That I get, that also might be why it lends itself to more of a TV quality. You yeah. know what I mean? This is about Fletch, not 
the the actual story. So right. much like Clue is about like the game and not about the story. It feels like if they had had a chance to do a, a first John Ham Fletch and then get to this one, it might have ended up being a better story overall. I agree. I agree. This one actually, that's why I was excited because this Fletch is is pretty visual. You know what I mean? Like like, and in the book, it's funny. I remember when I saw the movie, I hadn't read the book in so long that I was like, that's actually pretty close from what I can remember. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's actually. But then I went back and I reread the book and I was like, oh man. Like, they really missed the mark, I'm not going to lie, on, like, a translation. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, like for example, uh, Marsha Gay Harden's character in it, she's young. She's, like, Fletch's age in the book. And she's, like, hmm. every man wants her. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I love the way Marsha Gay Harden played it. But yeah. by playing her up as just completely a joke, you kind of miss on, like, the, the, the sultry, kind of sexy pull of it all. The the noir right. fun you can have with it. And the, the, the biggest change they made from the book is the, the, the detective character. I can't even remember what they call him in the, uh, in the, new, in the movie. But mm-hmm. uh, Monroe. Detective Monroe. Monroe. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I had to have guessed, I would have said Monroe. So that's Yeah, cool. it's, a, it's a good guess. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, not only the character, but the actor, I just find them to both be kind of like, there's no charisma to it. You know what I mean? There's a mm. way to do that character the 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 slow thinking detective who's like you know newly a father and tired from it that's funny yeah. you know what i mean yeah. put zach galifianakis in that part you, mm. you know what i mean but this guy just didn't bring the oomph and in the book that character uh flynn was so successful and so cool that he got his own spin-off series flynn was right, like this hard-boiled that. irish inspector who like knew everything he's even smarter than fletch but kind of lazy and wants Fletch just to figure it out for himself. You know I'm what I mean? I'm surprised they didn't uh, give John Slattery that role since they got the little madman reunion going on here. Right. Well, but you know, I talked to Greg, I asked Greg Matella afterward. I was like, hey, I'm just curious. Why did you change Flynn? Why did you do that? I didn't tell him because like this new character fucking sucks, but I was like, I'm just curious. And he told me that like it was a rights issue and that they couldn't get the rights to the character of Flynn. Probably because of the spinoffs, huh? Right, exactly, which is cool. Yeah. That's fine. I understand that. You know what I mean? I've made enough movies now to where I understand the difference between a compromise and a solution. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but to me, that means that this character is completely new, basically, and the brainchild of Greg Matala and the co-writer. So, like, and his lack of, like, oomph and charisma, I think kind of shows... I, I want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound more critical than I mean it to be, but it kind of shows where the flaws are in the adaptation, if that mm. makes sense. Like you could see where Greg Matala's coming from if that's kind of his angle, and it doesn't work, in my opinion. Like all mm. of the stuff that they try to make modern, like the reference to like, you know, like the digital age, like things, jobs that aren't as cool now in the digital age, like president, you know, or like, oh, it's so nice when rich people hang out. Like none of that works. None of mm. their like modern call out, you know, to social justice. None of that works because that's not Fletch. Fletch will never let you know what he's actually thinking. You know what mm. I mean? You know, to to that point, I I was trying to think like of a good piece for this. The closest I came to was Borat's subsequent movie film. I don't think it's really the best uh, fit, but I was trying to think of a character that we know that came about. You know 
back before smartphones and the internet and you know all, all the things the social media and all that stuff and now we're seeing that same character even though it's a different actor and a different you know creative team and everything but a character that you know we know them from before and now they are just you know right here in this new world of everything that we have now and you know that kind of speaks to what you were just talking about there with like kind of uh putting those kinds of issues within the film and you know any any of that kind of stuff technology and all of it yeah well i mean I, yeah exactly like i mean look at fletch in in uh the in the chevy chase version it's a little more accurate in that like fletch doesn't give like think about everything going on in 84 you know what i mean you've got the new election you've got reagan you've got you know the cold war you've got um aids you have all these big things going on but what is fletch only concerned about really that's pop culture what's on his mind is like basketball Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like like that's Fletch. Fletch is an everyman. Fletch is a blue collar kind of guy. And sure. um and unfortunately the blue collar now is some kind of political term in a way too. Like everything's so politicized and like Yeah. That's just not cool. You know what I mean? It's I, I it's it's not cool. Like like Fletch would not like openly like insult somebody to their face. He would say something that somebody wouldn't understand. You right, know what I mean? Right. The only joke that does work that's in that vein that's in this movie, and it's a brilliant joke, and they rightfully put it in the trailer, is where he's like, I don't know who people hate more, cops or reporters. And he's like, it's cops. It's, yeah. it's, it's cops. <laughs> like, like that, that joke is amazing. That's a great Yeah, that was great. good. And when I talked to Matala, I told him, do Fletch's moxie next. Set Fletch in Florida. And he goes, well, I have some ideas. I want to do one where Fletch goes to a convention for reporters because I think we can really talk about like what's going on in media. And, like, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> okay well i hope they give you more money i don't know like fine <laughs> that could be good i mean i'm sure it'll be good like but yeah. like at the end of the day like let's bring it back to like i don't let's bring it back to like a blue collar mentality you know what i mean fletch is not fighting for social justice you know what i that's mean that's like, not this guy yeah no like fletch isn't fletch isn't that guy at all and if he was like I don't know. They, yeah, it, it's not as interesting. Mm. It's not as interesting. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Oh, yeah, for my next piece. Okay, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Okay. Um, because I like that part of the absurdity of Fletch that they're able to pull off that a lot of modern, like, you know, murder mystery comedy things aren't able to pull off is that this feels like it's happening in the normal real world. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. um, and Manhattan Murder Mystery is one of those movies that, um, have you ever seen it? A long, long time ago. I think you'd like that movie. It one the first time I saw it, I remember thinking, like, what is this? Like, what what is this? What is this movie going on here? Like, what what is you know? It's way too normal for all this wacky shit to be happening. Yeah. And and like, well, what makes that movie so brilliant is that it's Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, and the murder mystery plot is actually a distraction from like mm. what's actually wrong with their marriage. Like that, that opens the door to them to be able to like work out their marital problems and their, That's their, great. their fan. Yeah. It's really, really good. And in this world of like, you know, it's cool to hate Woody Allen. Like I, I, I challenge you to watch that movie and not, and not enjoy it. I challenge. You. Right. But I, I like that they kept that quality about, um, Fletch in this movie that like, they don't have to overdo any of these characters. They don't have to overdo the, except for what's her name from uh, Bridesmaids. And uh, she's the yeah. only one who gets her own like ridiculous. Like that scene is ridiculous and like <laughs> kind of way too long. 
where she's like cooking for him and like things are lighting on fire and the dog is missing right. and she slices like and each individual moment is funny but like it's that's a long scene. But, it, it is a long scene. It was really funny though. Yeah, it was a yeah. Long scene. You need that scene at that point too because people who aren't like really initiated into like Fletch like they need that scene to go, "Oh, okay, I get what this movie is." Like, mm-hmm. so you need that big, broad, ridiculous scene just to make sure people understand, yeah, you're watching a comedy. You know what yeah. I mean? You don't want like an eyes wide shut situation where people watch the whole thing and then they're like, wait, that was supposed to be a comedy? Oh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, so Manhattan Murder Mystery, which is obviously uh, like a significantly better movie. But, mm-hmm. but like, but yeah, I like having this more grounded kind of murder mystery comedy because i feel like even knives out is a little ridiculous you know yeah um and and i just like that grounded kind of quality that they that they lent to it and greg matala is a big woody allen like um protege almost he's even in a couple of woody allen movies oh, i didn't realize that yeah. yeah he plays woody allen's um he he always plays a filmmaker of he's a he's the director at the beginning of celebrity when they're filming okay. the melanie griffith scene and he's um He's Woody Allen's AD in the movie in Hollywood Ending. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that, huh? Yeah. That's funny. What, Hollywood Ending? Yeah, that movie's real funny. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little recommendation there for you. There's a great line in it where a movie executive is reading a script, and he's like, here's a script about two frat boys who invent a machine that turns girls back into virgins. Very amusing. (laughs) I love that joke. Sorry. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. That's oh man! Well, we could go with a lot of different uh, detective comedy uh, type type of movies. Uh, that, like I said, that uh, like so many of them. I mentioned a few of them in my uh, my letterbox review, but uh, I'll go with the Long Goodbye Dolphin mm. one mm. because th- the reason I wanted to specifically single this one out is because I feel like we talked about all those different versions of Fletch we might have gotten over the last twenty some years, and they all would have been just whoever it was doing it, doing Chevy Chase, probably. Right. And whereas this, I feel like Ham, obviously going back to the books, but also kind of doing a little bit of Elliot Gould as Philip Marlowe in The Long Goodbye. So I I feel like there's a lot of inspiration from that kind of a character here in what Ham is doing. Uh, Yeah, I think, well, The Long Goodbye is one of those films that was like filmmakers best kept secret until like, you know, DVD came around. Like sure, every yeah. filmmaker under the sun was inspired by that movie. And then when DVDs yeah. happened, that's when it kind of got, it's like, you know, it now everybody is, is on that train. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And, um, and Gould, what's so funny is that like people hated his take on Philip Marlowe. The only mm-hmm. people who didn't take do, who didn't hate, uh, his take on it were, uh, Chandler's estate. And they're like, no, he got it right. Right. Like, like that's not they bogart is wrong you know mitchum is wrong like no he's supposed to be like gould like that's right you know and that's that's its own genre too um the shaggy detective as they call it sure um yeah i like to call it the reluctant detective because it's always like the detective who like is only doing this because he has to right like that's it you know and 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 fletch is in that position where like you know he's he he he's framed for murder you know what i mean so like oh i gotta fucking figure this out or right the big lebowski like he feels responsible for the girl getting kidnapped oh i gotta fucking do this you know and yeah same thing with the long goodbye oh my god my friend fucking died for this i gotta clear my buddy's name but i'm yeah i really would rather just feed my cat and smoke cigarettes 
Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is always wonderful. It's always, and it's something missing from a lot of, um, a lot of movies these days where like a character is doing something because they have to, not mm-hmm. because they want to like yeah. that. I think that that's a, you know, that's a real missed, uh, an art that has been a little bit lost as of late is people doing things because they have to, not because they want to people who yeah. have a sense of responsibility outside of themselves that you know. that's, that's yeah that's an interesting way to look at it for sure yeah i like that you brought it up you know the the shaggy detective genre is 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 a a a, a well that still has lots of fresh water to draw from especially in movies so absolutely i got another what one. what do you got next yeah i can't believe you didn't say this one yet i was i was saving it for you but fuck you you took too long um <laughs> uh your favorite movie of a couple years kid detective yeah absolutely and and speaking of that particular subgenre that fits in perfectly. Absolutely, yeah. And and I really like the Kid Detective a lot, like a, a whole lot. And and it has the same. It's interesting because I, I I feel like on a quality level, it it's got similar problems that Confess Fletch has, but I like it more because mm-hmm. what it does right, it does better, and what it does yeah. wrong, it does worse. And I mm-hmm. like that because that means that they're doing something new, whether it's yeah. new for them or new for us. They're trying to do something new the whole time, and some of it's going to work, some of it's not. And um, and like Fletch in this, I like that this book, Fletch is like kind of, this is where he's in the in-between, where he's like, I'm not a reporter anymore, I'm not an investigator anymore. I'm literally just trying to like marry this super hot Italian chick and like, you know, just- Italian anadarmus. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um we've already discussed how i feel about uh the actress chosen for this movie um yes but uh <laughs> but uh but yeah and and what i like about the kid detective is that he's kind of in his own like he's like not really doing it anymore he's just you know what yeah. i mean he can just coast if he really wanted to like he doesn't give yeah. a shit anymore and uh why i like the kid detective more is because this that case kind of reinvigorates him into mm-hmm. into into what he did and he finds purpose again he kind of accidentally stumbles upon like his biggest mistake and is able to overcome it like that's just great writing um yeah i also really respect that the kid detective does not it's it's kind of it's it's one of my favorite things in a movie and it and it's one of the things that i feel like i've been trying to do to varying degrees of success but it's like that's the hook for the movie he was Encyclopedia Brown, but now he's 30. You know, like right. that's, that's, it's a great premise, but like, that's not the movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The movie is, right, right. the movie is about arrested development. The movie is about pain of, uh, and regret and failure and fear of further pain, regret and failure. And it, it's, 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 it's pretty powerful in that way. And, and, and so like the, the, the idea is just the hook. It's not the gimmick. You, yeah. you know what I mean, and and I and I and I think that Confess Fletch does a good job of that too, where it's mm-hmm. like you know the quirky, funny detective. That's not the movie. You know what right. I mean? It's 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 a movie. He's it's a, a, a little bit more so though with Confess Fletch, sure. like you were saying. Like it just it is a little bit lighter, and it it's it doesn't have that much. I don't think on its mind other than hey, here's Fletch. Right, but we could have gotten something ridiculous. We could have gotten sure. We could have gotten him in goofy costumes. You know, there's a, yeah. a huge amount of gook on this, you know, uh, 
you know, windshield like like Chevy Chase did. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. could have gotten. I, I think it's one step away from naked gun material. Like at certain points in the movie, like where you know it's. Yeah, yeah, confess Fletch. Oh, like okay. when when things get extra goofy and like like with the 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 cop assistant, the girl, yeah. like stuff like that. You know, it it's dangerously close to spoof territory. Yeah, you know, that's another thing. That character in the book is a man as well and he doesn't really have as much to do. They made some really weird changes. Like in the book, uh his fiance's father is dead. Hmm. Like she stayed in Italy because of the funeral. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's, they made odd changes and none of the changes are as like strong of choice as the choice made in the book. Like that's, that's, I wonder if it's to simplify because of like smaller budgets or stuff like that. Like I, you know, I, I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I like, I, I think Matala was actually trying to skew this more towards something to be streamed and potentially turned into like a show or a series Mm. of low budget movies which may be the, the the goal. So like like you say to simplify it, if if you don't have a complex world around him, then you can just make it about Fletch. Yeah. You know, and, and sure, whatever. I like Fletch, so fine, do that, I guess. Yeah. I do have to say here though that you know, I've skirted around it a little bit with you, but like Fletch Lives is actually still by far my favorite Fletch movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's written by McDonald. It's it's actually written by him and it shows and while it is aged poorly, there are, there are some certain jokes in that film that you're like, even I, who I, you know, I'm pretty, I, I'm not very sensitive to, you know, certain, you know, things yeah. like that. Even I'm like, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not make that pick a bale of cotton joke right there, Flesh. Maybe oh, don't boy. do that. But yeah. I think that that story, as far as how it unfolds in a cinematic way, I I I'd like them to take a, a a chapter out of that book, if you will. Like, uh, uh that's it's funny because that movie's not based on a book, but like mm. just how that movie, how he structured a Fletch story for the screen. You know what I mean? It has yeah. like a a good amount of twists and turns. It has a good amount of intrigue, and and this movie kind of loses that a little. Like with the kids who he hires to spray paint his van. In the yeah. book, it's a little more menacing. Like, we don't know what Fletch is up to, and he has to, like, drop it. He drops off the van at a garage, and he pretends to be a plumber and wants it painted all black. And, like, you don't really know what Fletch is up to. And in right. this one, you don't really know what he's up to either, but the tone of the movie kind of makes you not care. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just kind of... By, by the way, can we, can we use ambulance as a puzzle piece here since we got basically the same thing earlier this year? God bless you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, That's fine. I mean, if we want to start using that as a puzzle piece for every uh, episode we do it together instead of cop out, I mean, I'm down. That's a fair. That's a fair uh, trade, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, my next piece was cop out. I'm just kidding. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did I not make that a piece for this movie? Um, yeah, no, but but like the tone of this movie, it, I, to say you don't care is not the right way to put it. I guess more to say you're just kind of going with it. This movie yeah. is a movie you just kind of go with, you know. Yeah. I got one last piece, kind of just a surface level one, but we're talking about, uh, you know, art thieves in the art world. Why not throw Thomas Crown Affair in our overall list here? Um, I've never actually seen the original. I only know the Pierce Brosnan one. So That's funny. Uh, you know, it's the first thing that came to mind when I first saw the trailer. And uh, I like that you've actually seen the Pierce Brosnan one. Um, 
you know, what's wrong with the Pierce Brosnan one? It's great. Nothing's wrong with it. It's just like you know, not not a million people. So you know what I mean. Like that's not one. Yeah, that people I guess saw. not. I prefer the original, if only because I really love Norman Jewison. Um, mm. Which that's fascinating that you brought that up because Michael Ritchie, who directed the original Fletch, he's mm-hmm. one of the great unsung directing heroes. Like, in fact, when I first moved out here, I got to meet this screenwriter, Ted Griffin. Who wrote? Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote like the Ocean's Eleven remake and Matchstick Men and Ravenous. And um, okay. he asked me, you know, when I was telling him I wanted to be a filmmaker, he said, "Whose career would you most like to have? Like, like what's a filmmaker with a career that you wish was kind of yours?" Yeah. And I was gonna say Robert Altman, but but I decided Michael Ritchie because Michael mm-hmm. Ritchie has directed so many classic films, but like nobody knows who he is. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? He did Fletch. He did The Golden Child. He did Bad News Bears. He did, you know what I mean? Um, he did, remember Wildcats with Goldie Hawn? He did that movie too. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's made so many movies that we've all seen and we all love. He also did Prime Cut, which is just like, if you haven't seen Prime Cut uh, podcast yeah, I've audience, never seen that one. You have to, David, you have to see Prime Cut. It's the greatest uh, like gangster. Like uh, you will love that movie it the oh, opening yeah. credit sequence is a guy getting turned into hot dogs like it is it is such a fucking good movie but um but norman jewison who made the original thomas crown affair he's kind of a similar filmmaker i put him and michael ritchie in the same camp where like norman jewison has made so many movies that we know and love and he did them in a row he did in the heat of the night um and then he did thomas crown yeah, affair yeah. he did fiddler on the roof jesus christ superstar he did Rollerball, Fist. He did uh, uh, and Justice for All, Soldier's Story. Like he, he's an incredible director. He did Moonstruck, and nobody yeah. knows who he is. You, you yeah. know what I mean? I actually worked an event for AFI where they were um, in 2014, where they were going to be, or 2013, where they were going to be putting eight films in their vault to preserve forever. Mm-hmm. And it was an event at ArcLight where I was working, and two of the films. One of them was in the heat of the night, and one of them yeah. was moonstruck. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's a quarter of the night is dedicated to Norman Jewison. Is he going to be here?" So I asked right. my manager, "Yo, is Norman Jewison going to be there for the AFI event?" And they're like, "Who?" And I'm like, "That's fair, you know, it's just a fucking <laughs> manager of a movie theater, whatever." You know what I mean? So the night of the event, I asked one of the volunteers. I said, "Yo, is Norman Jewison going to be here?" And one of the AFI guys is like, "I don't know who that is. You'd have to ask the, you know, the 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 director, the AFI director." And hey, so I go and I ask the director hey. of the night, and I go, "Hey." Is Norman Jewison going to be here? I swear to God, the director of the programming for that night goes, who? And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, he's 90, he's like 96 and still, still with us. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cause we just, we just covered uh, in the heat of the night over on awesome movie here fairly recently. And we were talking about him and that he's still around. Oh, really? I, I, did you guys have positive things to say about him? Absolutely. All right. Well, then I'll listen to that episode because I, yes. I'm still getting over the trauma of Gloria. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I knew that would would uh, would hit you hard. But, it did. Uh, oh man, yeah. it, you know. But hey, yeah. good good on them. That means that I I consider them valid enough to actually have an effect on me. So that's there that's a go. compliment of itself. There you go. But yeah. Well, do you have any other pieces? Yeah, I mean, another kind of surface level one is Beverly Hills Cop. Like it's it, sure. like he's more Beverly Hills cop than he is original Fletch in this. You, what with the two detectives always following him and him kind of trying to rope them into like being on his team and like, you yeah, know. Um, but that's really all you need to say. I mean, he even does like the slightly effeminate, you know, gay man, like, you know, uh, disguise at one point, like, 
you know, Eddie, of course, cranks that to 11 in his scene. Sure. Simplex 12. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Fletch does it when he's with Lucy Punch, uh, pretending to be like a, like a, what is it? He's like an architecture or like a, uh, no, not architecture, um, a design magazine reporter. Right, you know? right, right. Um, yep. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, it, it's pretty surface level, but Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, no, I, I and I think that, uh, I mean, it's surface level, but I think most people would probably agree with that. I mean, it, it is kind of uh, the way that things go in this, so it's a good one to include for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, are there any closing thoughts that you had about Confess Fletch that we didn't quite get to while going through the puzzle pieces? Yeah, th- I'm just hoping for, like, one of those things where, like, the first one is fine, but then the second one, I really want them to, like, okay, we're on board with what, what you're doing, now do something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, I, I think, all right, we like the character, we get the character, we enjoy him. Now give us a stronger story. And, you know, just there's room to grow. And mm-hmm. um, if they want my help, I'm all for it. I, I, you know, <laughs> sure. I'm ready. I'm available. I've had Fletch's moxie on the back of my mind for 15 years. I'm, I'm there for you. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I and I would love to see that. Um, the the only other thing I was going to mention, I I feel like you know we've getting we're getting so many of these like legacy sequels and things lately where it's like all nostalgia based. I feel like this is like the polar opposite of that, where it's like they're almost going out of their way to not give you the old Fletch, and I think it's for the better, honestly, at least in this case. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I remember when Sherlock Holmes came out, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. one. Sure. And I remember being surprised that, like, first of all, when you you first see that trailer, you're like, what? Like, that's a a Sherlock Holmes movie? But I was really, I really liked that they didn't do what they did with Wild Wild West, which, what, before I continue, everyone should know by this point that Wild Wild West is one of my favorite films of all time. But that, yes, like, yeah. they didn't try to sell it to us as, like, this isn't your dad's Wild Wild West, or this isn't your mm-hmm. grandpa's Sherlock Holmes, you know? Right. Like, I like that they didn't try to do that, that they weren't like, this isn't your Chevy Chase, Fletch. They made the right. smart move of going, I don't think anybody remembers Fletch. <laughs> right, right. There's this thing <laughs> called Fletch that you may or may not know, so yeah. this is a whole new story. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, and good on them. Good on them for not, like, I, I, I agree that they didn't lean into it, but I also feel like they didn't, like, actively avoid it, necessarily, right, either. Right, exactly. They, they just kept their sights focused on Fletch in the book, and they nailed that. Absolutely. So. Well, that does it for Confess Fletch. Joe, as you know, usually I have my guest recommend another movie they watched recently, but you just posted on YouTube a really excellent one-hour analysis of Clerks 3, which we're still not sure if we're going to do an episode of Piecing It Together on Clerks 3. There's so many other things to cover, and I really did not like it, but I really loved your video. So instead of a regular recommendation, tell people about the video. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you really liked it. And I, I saw you sent me that. Uh, I don't have Twitter, but you showed me a screen cap of your tweet. And that, I, like, I mean it when I say that really meant a lot to me. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I got to go see, uh, you know, Cler- uh, Dogma's the film that made me want to be a filmmaker. Um, Kevin Smith, for the first, you know, decade of my filmmaking journey, was my hero, my idol, my Sherpa. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I, I, I loved him and his work. Clerks 2 saved my life in ways that I don't want to like get into right now. But um, I, was, I got the pleasure of meeting him years ago, and I, I got to know him fairly well because he used to come to Arclight all the time. And I got to work with him on a couple of films. 
And uh, because of all that, I was invited to an early screening of Clerks last November at uh, Raleigh Studios. And um, he was there in attendance. And at the end of the film, I was... I know it's going to sound silly, but I was I, I felt it was traumatic. Like, yeah. like the movie for somebody who cares in the way that I do is scary and kind of... Um, worrisome in a way my friend who doesn't really know any didn't know anything about kevin smith really at the time but has since kind of studied and learned and went and saw it with saw clerks three with me the other night when it officially came out he now calls clerks three kind of a homicidal manifesto (laughs) and you watch the film and you wonder if kevin smith in some way like it seems like a movie made by somebody who's in a lot of pain and confusion Mm, yeah and 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 Clerks 2 is the antithesis of that. Clerks 2 is made by a filmmaker who, for better or worse, is at the high point of his life. Who right. is just full of love, full of hope, full of joy, full of, um, just full of love. The movie's bursting with love. And um, to see what he did to his characters and to the legacy, and what he's actively trying to do to his legacy is um, troubling. And And I... He asked me after the movie if I liked it. I I told him I did not. He asked why. I said, do you really want to know? He said, yes. I said, do you really want me to answer? He said, of course. I answered. He did not like what I had to say, and he berated me in front of the entire audience for a really long time. And as I was trying to leave, he pulled me out of line again and just to yell at me some more, basically. And I, I asked him if I could. I told him I was feeling very on the spot. I had just seen the movie. I needed to process it. I did not like the situation we were in. And I asked him if I could email him my thoughts. And he said, yeah, you fucking do that. That's what he said to me. Yeah. So I wrote a 13-page letter, and I emailed it to him. And I was uh, promptly, they, uh, his team responded that I was no longer um, on the roster. And <laughs> I didn't... It was really fucked up because I had signed an NDA, couldn't say anything about it. And yeah. so my wife and my friends, they kind of encouraged me to like process what I was going through by making this, you know, thing. And I um and I did and and I, I hated doing it. I hated making the video because it's so much work. I hate Ugh. like it's so much fucking work to do one of these That's things. That's why piecing it together is not a video thing. it's the worst. Like for this like you just want to talk about a movie. You don't want to absolutely put together all the video components. Yeah, you know, and it's really funny, David. I, I, I listened to it while driving for work yesterday. My my video, I just listened to it while driving to see what it would yeah. be like as a podcast, and I was like, This works. Um Yeah. But yeah, but uh I, 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 when I was done with it too, I wasn't even going to post it. I'm not lying. Like, like, and you know, cause I've been messaging you that I'm going back yeah. and forth on even finishing it. And my wife was the one who really was like, no, you have to like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, and look, I'm not an internet guy. I'm not, I, you know, to me right now, I posted the video overnight, night before last, it uploaded at 4am. And when I woke up at 7am to go to work, I checked and it already had like 200 views and comments. And like, I was getting... I've been getting emails from people who I've never met and comments on letterbox and like, you know, and right now the video is sitting at like 700 and something or views. And to me, that's like a fucking knockout of the park. Like I can't believe so many people have watched it. And most of what I've been getting is what I didn't expect is people saying that they had similar experiences watching Mm -hmm. the film because he's the kind of filmmaker that like, that means something to the people who like his work. You know right, I mean? that's exactly why he's amassed his following is because people really deeply connect with his movies. Exactly, and with him. 
You know, yeah, like, and with him he, as a person. He was the first filmmaker to break that internet mold. Like he was the one who kind of pioneered being like interacting with your audience through the internet and creating like a space online for your fans to come together and you know what I mean? Like he he was a pioneer of that. And so he it's a very personal kind of fandom, as they like to call it. And what I just did not expect was all these people reaching out to me saying that after they saw the film, either on these earlier screenings or at his tour or whatever, that like the, the the movie left them feeling horrible and sad and kind of like traumatized in a way, but they couldn't pinpoint it. And yeah. apparently this video, for them at least, offered some kind of like, you know, explanation or reasoning. And I was, and that's been really like, that's really nice. I'm glad that it wasn't just me like, you know, lamenting. Um, yeah. And, yeah. um, and apparently one of them informed me that, like, and I've never met this guy, but apparently Kevin Smith did a screening in New Jersey a month after the screening I saw last year. Kevin Smith was talking yeah. about me at the screening. That's and, incredible. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I figured this would be a good time to mention the, the video, especially because this is going to go up the same weekend that, you know, yeah. the film is out in, in the rounds right now. It's doing this untraditional kind of rollout of, of theaters uh, on like a tour. And so uh, people are finally seeing the movie. And so if they're left feeling kind of a similar way, they should really check out your video. Thank you. I also think that if you like, maybe just watch the video instead of the movie. <laughs> I, I agree, actually. But, uh, you know, you, people are going to do what they're going to do. It's shorter. So. It's 40 minutes shorter. You don't have to put on your shoes. It costs you nothing. And I break down the entire movie from start to finish. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, uh, tell people where else they can find you. BlueMeansPregnantFilms.com, uh, where you can see all of my... That's how the people who saw the video found me, apparently. And, you know... You can contact me through there. You can watch all of my films. You can see tons of behind-the-scenes documentaries, and you can like read all the bios on all the wonderful artists I've worked with over the last two decades. And um, yeah, please, please feel free to explore and interact with us. We love sharing with people. Awesome, Joe. Thanks as always for being here. Thank you, David. He's Johnny. And he's Darren. Do you like movies? Do you like your childhood? Do you like movies from your childhood? Do you like podcasts about movies from your childhood? If you answered yes to one or all those questions, then you might enjoy NostalgiaCast. It's a podcast about movies from your childhood. So if you're nostalgic for nostalgia, then you might like NostalgiaCast. See, that's the name of our podcast, NostalgiaCast. Yeah, I, I think they got that. Should we sign off? Let's do it. I'm Johnny. And he's Darren. And, and this, this is, is NostalgiaCast. I win. <laughs> All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Confess Fletch. Thanks to Joe Black for joining me on that one. We had a lot of fun talking about that movie. And thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, if you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed. We've got a lot more podcasts coming your way, including the live show that I told you about at the top of the show. Don't forget to check the show notes if you are interested in getting a free ticket for that screening in Glendale, California. It's next week, Thursday, September 22nd. Hope to see you there. And, uh, you know, just make sure you're subscribed. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So, uh, yeah, that does it for today. I'm going to close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And, I don't know, it, it's kind of hard with comedies to pick a piece of music. Most of my music is all dark and, like, either 
dreary or melancholy or whatever, so I don't really have a lot for comedies, but uh, I don't know. I'm just going to go with a track from my self-titled album, David Rosen, that came out in 2020 called Pocket Watch. It's a good one. And uh, I don't know if it really has anything to do with Confess Fletch, but uh, it'll be a good one to go out on. Let's have some fun. Let's enjoy this track. And we'll be back with actually a, uh, a special episode on Wednesday and then another episode, another special episode on Friday. Three episodes this week. So lots of podcasts coming your way. We'll talk to you guys soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.